Amen. It is a, it's a day of celebration and a, a day of tremendous joy. It's different than any other day when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it, it's a day that changed history, a day that changed our lives. So uh, it's a joy to be here to celebrate. And I, I want to share a, a, a longer passage of Scripture. I won't read the whole thing, but in, in the Gospel of John, beginning with chapter 19, verse 38, I, I want to read a few verses uh, this is the, the prelude, the, the part before Easter, because Easter is made such a great day because of what happened before that. And in John nineteen thirty eight, uh, after this, this is after the, the crucifixion, after Jesus had given up his life. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came, took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices, as was the custom of the day of the Jews to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. But on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter, to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out on the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. The other outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Simon Peter came following and went in the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. The question I want to start with this morning is, for you and for me, what happened on Easter morning? Now we can we can hear that story and we can read that scripture and we can do what in the last verse we read. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now we, we can hear it and we can just go home. Now that's not really what, what they did. But we can hear it and just go home. But something happened on Easter that changed every life that's willing to let it be changed. Because you see, on Easter and previously, there was a problem that had to be dealt with. The problem in in my life and the problem in your life and the problem in every single life is sin. You know, we've done things wrong, every single one of us. Now, it'd be nice as, as a human being, it'd be great if I could do with God like I did with my mom and daddy when I was growing up. 
You know, I did something wrong. I disobeyed them. And I just, a lot of times I would say, not me. Or I would say, huh, what? You know, play dumb? You ever play dumb? And I had an older brother who was two years older than me. Those things didn't really work because when I said not me, he would say, oh, yes, he did. (laughs) Or when I said, huh, he would say, "Uh uh-huh, you told me you were going to get in trouble. You knew you were going to get in trouble. So I had him telling on me, and, of course, obviously, I was obligated to tell on him, you know, when, when he did something. That's the way it worked. You don't let them get by with it. But we tried. And a lot of times mom and daddy would say, particularly if it was small things, this is all right. It, 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 it doesn't really matter. They didn't say it quite that way. But some things really don't matter. We've, we've got things that, that we ask of our children or our parents ask of us or we ask of others. And, and when we fail them, it, it's, it's okay. It's not significant. But the problem with sin is that for you and for me to earn our way into heaven, we'd have to live a perfect life because only perfect people could earn their way into heaven. That's, that's the way it works. Heaven was created for perfection. God is, is perfect. So the problem with sin is when you and I mess up even one time, that, that digs a, a gulf or creates a chasm, just like a, a river that, that runs and continues running. It eventually erodes, and there's a huge cavern, not just a little creek, but, but there's a cavern like the Grand Canyon was, was just dug with water. Sand does that, and it builds this tremendous chasm between you and me and God. In a Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin, so for all of us have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. And so that's, that's what the world situation was. At Christmas we celebrate the incarnation. God became man and he came down and he walked among us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. There was a reason behind that. That only a perfect human being can earn their way into heaven. And there was no perfect human being. And so God became fully man in the person of Jesus Christ. He laid aside his divinity voluntarily. Now, he could have picked it right back up at any moment he wanted to. He voluntarily laid it down, just like you, know, you lay down your cell phone or you lay down your wallet. You can pick it up whenever you want to. Jesus voluntarily put that aside, and he came down to where we are. He walked this earth, and he lived a completely, absolutely sinless life. And then in Isaiah 53... This incredible thing happened. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, only a perfect person can enter heaven. And so what happened on Easter is... 
God took your sin and he took my sin that hadn't even been committed yet. He knew everything that Paul Langston was going to do in disobedience to God. And in verse 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he's put to grief. When you make your soul an offering for sin, you shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. Isaiah 53 says that God took your sin, and he took my sin, and he put it on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ took that oppression on himself in my place and your place. So on Good Friday, when we, we remember the, the crucifixion, and we think about the pain and the torture that he endured, he did it for me. He was paying my price. He was paying your price, something you couldn't do, and he voluntarily did it. So he was killed, and, and he was buried, and he was, was laid in the tomb. And we read in, in chapter 20 of John, verse 1, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, still dark. So she goes. Peter and the guys, they're, they're just, they're not at the tomb. This is, they're sleeping or they're something, eating breakfast. They thought it was a normal day. They thought it was just another day. Jesus had been killed. They watched him die. There wasn't anybody who argued about that. All of these things happen publicly. People today, 2,000 years later, can say, oh, they made it all up. You can't make up anything in Conway and talk about an event and not have people say, that's a lie. I can prove it, and then they're going to prove it because it's not that hard to do. Somebody who can, can produce evidence. So they saw it happen. And on that morning, all of the folks get up and they think it's just another day. Jesus is gone and what are we going to do now? But when Mary gets to the tomb, it's far from a normal day. First of all, that enormous stone is rolled away. The soldiers aren't even there. Now, they are the ones who lied. You know, they came and stole his body. A Roman soldier, that contradicts everything they were trained to do. They were trained and they were ordered to lay down their life. And if those guys were alive, then no, nobody came and and rolled the stone away voluntarily. It didn't happen that way. They died or they defended. It was that simple. So, no, that didn't happen. That was a lie. So Mary walks in and Jesus isn't there. And her question is, where'd you take him? Where'd you put him? I'm just here to find him. And if you would just tell me where you took him, I'll move him and I'll give him a proper burial. Well, in those events, we read about Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was a secret follower. 
And we read about uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus had come at night. He came when nobody could, could see him. So on Easter morning, in those events, you've got secret disciples, Joseph and Nicodemus, who, who came out of hiding. And then you've got the people who spent three years walking with him going into hiding. Peter and John are, are in a room. And Mary goes and, and finds that Jesus is not there, and she goes back and tells Peter and John, and they go in and they ran in, and, and that's where we stopped. And let me read the next verses. But Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, did not know that it was Jesus. Either he was uh, transformed appearance, or through her grief she didn't recognize him. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. She recognized him. And Jesus said, Do not cling to me. I've not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she'd seen the Lord and that he'd spoken these things to her. So in the calling of her name, on Easter morning, Mary recognized who he was. So she went, this is a normal day, Jesus is dead. Even if she looked at him and thought it looked, he looked familiar, it's like, can't be him, he's dead. But then he called her personally by name, Mary. See, that's what he does for you and me. He doesn't just say, hey, y'all come, which is you know, what you do down south. Y'all come. To me, he said, Paul. And then he called you know, the, the Mary back there. And he called Connie. And he called Debbie and Thomas. Skip and you by name. You see, Easter is personal. Ephesians chapter 2 is a, is a great chapter. I won't read the, the whole chapter, but in those first 10 verses, it says, but, but you who were dead in your trespasses and sin, which that's us, that's all of us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So you were dead in your trespasses and sins, just like Jesus was dead physically. And then it says, but you, he made alive in Jesus Christ. You see, what, what happened on Easter is that God showed physically with your eyes, you can see it and prove it. I can create new life. If you were dead in your trespasses and sin, I can give you life through him. I raised him up from a physical death. I can raise you up spiritually. 
What God said to the world is, open your eyes to see. Look and see what I can do. I'm not just giving words and platitudes. I'm, I'm proving it. Nobody's ever raised anybody from the dead other than Jesus who called Lazarus forth and then Jesus raised up. But Lazarus died again. Jesus didn't. So on Easter morning, Jesus Christ, after having taken your sins and my sins to the cross and paid the price for us, He offered us new life. He offered us something that nobody can ever take away. And then an amazing thing happens Easter night. The the rest of, of chapter 20 or the next part of chapter 20, verse 19. The same day at evening, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. To me, those, that, that's an incredible passage that on Easter evening, these, these guys are still going about life as if nothing had changed. They're hidden in the room. They're scared of the, of the people outside. A lot of times we do that, don't we? We're scared of the people outside. What are they going to do to us? Well, in first century Jerusalem, the reality was they could kill them. They really could. They honestly could. They did it to Jesus. They could have done it to the disciples. So that's why they were were holed up in this room. They're scared. And Jesus said to them twice, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he says this amazing passage, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now think about how the Father sent the Son. In heaven looking down at a sinful world with absolutely no hope of of ever reaching them, God the Father said to His Son, the the verse that we read out of Isaiah, that's Old Testament, that's that's pre-Christ. The Father said to the Son, Somebody's got to go save them. And Jesus laid aside the place that you and I long for. I had a youth minister once who his theme was youth alive, and alive was always living in view of eternity. And he said, you know, we need to live every day longing for eternity. All right, Jesus was there. At the right hand of the Father, all powerful. The early chapter of John, chapter 1, says, In the beginning, nothing was made except through His voice, His Word. That's who He was. And He said to you and to me, I love you so much, I'm going to go save you. And He laid that aside to come get us. 
And then he told his disciples, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Which means we need to be willing to lay aside absolutely everything. All of our power, all of our prestige, all of the honor that we may have rightfully won in in the world's eyes. To be willing to lay it all down. To share hope with somebody who's hopeless. I heard a a teenager a few weeks ago sharing a a real, real brief testimony. And she said she'd done something that day. and, And she said, you know, if I was able to impact one person... And then she's going on a a long-term mission trip later on. And she said, if I can impact one person, it's worth everything I did. You know, that's how the Father sent the Son. To seek and to save the lost. And that'd be you and me. That's not just that, that, you know, drug addict that we look down on. That's not just, just a prostitute who's sold her or his life. That's not just the, 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 I can't even think, the business person who scams everybody. Mm-mm. You and me. All of us. He came to save us. And then he told his hidden up in the upper room disciples, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So what happened on Easter is Jesus Christ offered you and me eternal life. He paid the price for our sins on Friday and on Sunday morning. He offers us eternal life. This this is the absolute hope that I can change your life and give you new life through me. And then on that evening, he said, all right, as he sent me, Father sent me, I'm sending you. Now you go out and do the same thing. Offer people hope who are hopeless. Folks, that's the mission of the church. It's not to get people in here, which is a great time of celebration. And and when your life is changed by Jesus Christ, you want to come celebrate. You want to do that. But our mission is to go out to where people are and to offer hope to them. Then they'll come celebrate with us because they'll have something to celebrate. But Jesus came. Romans 5 says, God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, that's love. And Jesus Christ on Easter gave us hope and then sent us out with hope. That's our mission. So the question, beginning question was, what happened on Easter for you and me? The ending question and the question that we really have to answer is, okay, what are we going to do about it? Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Thankful for what you did through your son, Jesus Christ, and thankful for the hope you give us. God, you've offered us new life, and you've offered us a way. Lord, forgive us when we have been so focused on what we want and what we think we need that we've been holed up in 
our houses or our rooms or our schools or churches or businesses or somewhere else. And if we haven't been out where your people are, God, we haven't been going to search and rescue like you did. We haven't been going to seek and to save. But we've been trying to preserve our own selves. God, help us to be willing to serve you completely. And on this morning, dear God, give us the courage to say yes to you. As we offer this prayer in Christ's name, amen. You know, the disciples, after Jesus left them, they left that room and they went out to the streets and they had an incredible time of harvest and, and people just came in by the thousands. Well, now as, as we have our time of communion, what we're going to do is reflect on what Jesus Christ did through the elements of, of communion, the bread, the body which is broken, the juice, the blood which was shed. And we'll respond to his sacrifice just like they did. We'll, we'll make an answer. And so our prayer this morning is that as we, we partake of the elements of, of the Lord's Supper, and as God speaks to our heart, that the Spirit will find fertile soil, and that we'll say yes to him just like the first disciples did. Because they did end up laying down their lives. The folks who were holed up in a room and scared of the outside world went to the outside world. And other than John who was exiled to Patmos, they did all die. But it was worth it. Because they'd understood, Jesus Christ can give me something that I could never attain. And therefore, I will lay down in my life something that I could never keep. That's the call for you and me today as we celebrate this Holy Communion.